Blog Talk Radio.
All right, welcome to the Urban Wire, where we shine the light on issues in <clears throat> impacting the urban community. Um, this is eighty, the episode eighty-four um, of the Urban Wire, and tonight we have a special treat for everyone that is listening. Um, first of all, we want to let everyone know if you would like to call in, feel free to call in at six four six nine one five eighty two hundred. Once again, at six four six nine one five eighty two hundred. We have the honor and the privilege to interview a very special person here in Indianapolis. Um, his name is Pastor Keith McQueen, and he is the senior pastor of, excuse me, senior pastor of Powerhouse Ministries here in Indianapolis. They are a gay affirming church, and they're very open to all that desire relationship with Christ. And um we're just going to get his story and um, see what's going on in his ministry here in Indianapolis and some of the things that their church are doing to uh, to pretty much positively impact the LGBT community here and abroad. Um, we have Michael Snyder here online as well. Um, he's one of our commentators tonight, and he, he's going to be joining me in this interview. Uh, Michael, are you online? Yes, sir. I am here. Okay. Um, Pastor McQueen, are you um, here? Can you hear us pretty well? Yes, I am here. Can you hear me? Yes. We just want to, first of all, we just want to thank you so much for just joining us tonight and just taking time out of your busy schedule to just sit down and just um, talk to us for a little bit and just tell us about your ministry and what you're doing here in Indianapolis. Um, Yeah, I know we've been exchanging some emails. I know you had a pretty busy weekend and stuff like that, but I just want to, again, thank you for coming on and um, just no sharing with us and just telling us what God has done for you personally and as, and as well as your ministry. So can you tell us about, um, in a nutshell, who who is Pastor McQueen and tell us what brought you here to Indianapolis and, and how um, is your ministry in general uh, sending a positive message out there uh, to the city of Indianapolis? Yes, yes. Well, well. first, let me say thank you for having me on your show uh, and giving me an opportunity and a space to talk about uh, the things that God is doing uh, through uh, Powerhouse Church and, and through my own personal ministry. Uh, you know, to answer your question, Pastor McQueen is just uh, a loving man uh, who truly loves God. And... Um, and uh, I prayed a prayer to God uh, when I was younger, and that prayer was, Lord, allow me to do something uh, something small for you in a big way. And I just sincerely wanted to do something that would bring a change to the world. I believe that we all have a responsibility to leave the world a little bit better than it was when we got here. And um, the Lord led me. Uh, to a great city called Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I was originally born in Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, relocated uh, to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, for about 20 years. And and then God brought me to uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, about four years ago, uh, to start a ministry, to start a church. But to be honest, it was to be a church... Um, that the focal point was Jesus Christ without distinction as it relates to race, sexuality, uh, socioeconomic status, 
or any other differentiation that a lot of our worship services uh, have become centered around. You can't, in my opinion, you cannot uh, create a Christ-centered, Jesus-centered environment that focuses more on distinction and division more than it focuses on unity. Uh, because the spirit of Christ is a spirit of unity. So uh, we started the church about four years ago, uh, May of 2012, and God has just added to the church, uh, has multiplied. We started uh, in uh, the Fellowship Hall of a Lutheran church uh, on the northwest side of Indianapolis near Georgetown and uh, started out with six people, and God has multiplied our congregation tremendously, uh, blessed us to uh, purchase a facility downtown, 32,000 square feet, and uh, we're just doing the work of God, just just trying to make it happen and uh, trying to create a safe space for all people. That's wonderful. Um, so in what um, ways, what, what, sets your, what sets your ministry apart from others, and um, in what ways are you um, reaching out to those that are disenfranchised, because I know you guys are, you are definitely, uh, I've followed some of your sermons online and um, some of your stuff. I know you're definitely a, um, a community activist and stuff like that. So um, what issues are you uh, tackling specifically that, I mean, specifically that impact the LGBT community, I mean, some of the social ills that play our community? Absolutely, absolutely. Great question. Um, well, uh, a number of things. Uh, our goal, as it relates to social justice, um, that's that question is twofold. I'll talk about what uh, is the distinctive of our church, and then also what are we doing specifically as it relates to the LGBT community. The distinction of our church honestly, is a focus on the power to live a better life. And to be honest, we have a multiplicity of members. We have um, black members. We have white members. We have Latino members. We have straight members. We have same-gender-loving members. We have people from all walks of life. And that's really the focal point and the idea of our church uh, is to preach a Christ-centered gospel that ministers to all people, um, and that's our focus, giving people glimpses of a better life. Um, our church is called Powerhouse um, because, uh, for example, I use this example often, our homes, um, our offices and place of work, uh, our facilities, they have uh, great abilities. They have great uh, aptitudes of things that they can do uh, based on how they were constructed. However, if IPL cuts the power off, then it will be a facility with a lot of potential but an inability to activate its potential. So Powerhouse Church is a place where people can activate their potential, where they can manifest mm. their destiny and their purpose. And that goes beyond race or sexuality or, or any other differentiation. However, our folk, our our ministry to the LGBT community um, specifically um, is 
a message of equality. In any way that we can help to fight uh, for equality and to proclaim a message of equality, be it through the institution of marriage, be it through uh, the institution of education or uh, work, uh, career advancement, uh, uh, protective classes, in any way that we can create and sustain and fight for equality, we will do it. And that's for the LGBT community. That's for the Latino mm-hmm. community. We also work with the Latino Coalition um, to, to to work with them concerning some of the issues that uh, plague uh, some of our Latino members uh, and mm. citizens within this city. We work with uh, African-American uh, citizens. As a matter of fact, we did a service not too long ago uh, called Crossroads, where we talked about the intersection of race and sexuality. And um, you know, what 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 does that uh, feel like? Is it different uh, when you are both um, uh, a person of color as well as a same gender loving person? Uh, what does it feel like to experience discrimination in a multiplicity of areas? Uh, and and how can we uh, fight to create equality um, and understanding? And where uh, we we are struggling to create understanding, how can we create respect and equality? Um, that is something that we will across the board. Um, and that's not just limited to LGBT people. That's for ableism, for for people right. who are disabled. Are we creating uh, the necessary ramifications for those who are going through physical challenges uh, to be able to have as many uh, equivocal opportunities uh, to to health care and, and uh, other things that people who may not have some of those um, uh, significant uh, situations uh, making sure that we create equal wherever it is. If there's a need for equality, we will be somewhere in the midst. Someone from Powerhouse will be in the midst fighting for your rights. Wow. And um, with you guys fighting so hard for um, those who are disenfranchised and those that need that voice of the church in the community to fight in their behalf, have you found um, a great deal of support um, amongst your parishioners and other people in the um, Indianapolis area, and have you also, on the other hand, have you come up against a um, great deal of opposition too? Absolutely, another great question. Um, well, I will say this: amongst our parishioners, we definitely, um, with within our local assembly, uh, we have definitely warranted a lot of support uh, within our national church organization that we are part of, the United Progressive Pentecostal Church. We have definitely warranted a lot of support. However, um, I, I w- I'm going to say something, and um, my husband and I, we really um, talked about this, uh, whether I would talk about it, but I, I do feel compelled in my heart to talk about it. Um, one of the biggest struggles I have had as it relates to support is um, Many people, I think, do not grasp um, that it is important that you don't show up to the battlefield when it is an issue that only affects you. Wow. And a lot of people miss that. They they only show up to the battlefield when it's an issue that affects them, but if yes. they feel like it has nothing to do with them, 
mm-hmm. they are not there. And they have missed a very significant point that there is a human thread that ties all of us together. Coretta Scott King understood it. Dr. Martin Luther King understood it. You know, we're we're on the last day of of, of Black History, uh, Black History Month. We have been allotted. Uh, I think this is a very befitting conversation because um, right. people miss. They miss that. So what happens for me is I am an African-American male that happens to be same gender loving. So Mm. when I am fighting for LGBTQI rights, um, people who are LGBTQ are in the room, but many people who are in the room who are not affected by the side of me that is African-American are nowhere to be found when wow. I am fighting and proclaiming that black lives do matter and they are important. Mm. And uh, what's happening across the country is happening right here in Indianapolis in the 465 perimeter. And when I am rallying support for that, there are many people who will scream LGBT rights who will not scream mm. that black lives are equivocally important. Uh, and that is a problem for me. The problem is, is that, um, People are, many people, and I'm not going to say everybody, but many people, and I've worked with all kinds of organizations. I'm not saying that this is every organization, but I am saying there is a preponderance of this. Many people who scream equality are only concerned about equality when it knocks on their door, and that uh-huh. is a problem for me. And you know what, you know what Pastor, I will have to say that I will have to say that. And Michael, I'm going to make this point. And I know Michael with some questions too. And me and him was talking about this um, a couple of nights ago. And I've noticed, um, especially, and I and and you know, I'm just going to call call a spade a spade. But I do notice a lot of times in the LGBT community, like you know. Where are they? I mean, and, and and don't get me wrong. I think we all should show up to support one another. But I do notice that, you know, especially sometimes in the LGBT community, I do think that they only show up when it comes to uh, their cause, you know. And I because right. I, I haven't seen many of them out there um, in protest. And I'm not saying some of them aren't, but I have not seen them as a whole come out and support Black Lives Matter or even right. All Lives Matter or Latinos' lives or anything like that. You know, it's it's not always about that. And my thing is, if you want others to support you, you have to come out and support. You know, we all are in this together, especially, you know, right. we're all considered uh, a minority. And I do feel that, and I hate to say this, and, I, and I'm not trying to play race call, but I do feel that we do have our own demons that we have to fight within the gay community because we we want the outside community to accept us for who we are but within the gay community we have so much um self-hate and like unacceptance towards other people and i will dare dare to even say this i feel that there is some level of racism within the gay community you know and when you look at it people are going to be people regardless to what their sexual orientation is and i really feel that that's a wonderful thing that you guys are addressing these issues and just, you know, keeping it 100 and keeping it real because I, I sometimes I see that and, you know, and, and I know that it's important for our, you know, our gay brothers and sisters to have rights, but we have to all support one another, you know, and, and, and it's not just about just supporting your own community. You have to support 
other people that are in similar that are fighting similar causes. If that makes any sense. Right. 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 Absolutely. You know, that, Absolutely. To add what yeah. uh add, to add to what uh Seneca was saying, you know, my personal perspective is that Jesus, if we look at the life of Jesus as a pattern, he was there for people that were disenfranchised in general. He didn't make just a distinction between socioeconomic class. He made a distinction between all things where people were being persecuted for anything that was not correct, things that were not right. Right. Right, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And and that's... I think it's such a struggle uh, for Christians to truly and fully be Christian as the essence of what is Christ-like. I think um, people tend to only pay attention when it affects them or knocks on their door. Sometimes Christianity can be a big game of tag. You know, yes. somebody is always it. We're trying to figure out who to demonize and how how much can we separate ourselves instead of trying to figure out a way to achieve unity. Um, because the truth is, is that as human beings, regardless if we're black, if we're white, if we're Asian, if we're gay, if we're straight, if we're bisexual, if we're transgender, we all want the same Thing. At the end of the day, at the end of the night, our desire, our human need is all the same. And instead of trying to figure out ways to take that away from someone, how can we create uh, a world and a system uh, where we can all flow together in unity? It's so funny you guys said what you said. Um, I even see a lot of prejudice from a lot of uh, gays and lesbians as it relates to transgender people. And honestly, mm. I feel that transgender people, a- after we make certain progress within America, within the church, the body of Christ, um, as we make certain progress, um, I think for gays and lesbians, there will still be a struggle for transgender people. I I struggle to wrap my mind around a person who has been persecuted and picked on since they were in kindergarten for exemplifying stereotypical traits associated with being gay or lesbian that cannot embrace a person who is transgender because they struggle to understand uh, that experience or they struggle to understand uh, some of those dynamics. And to be honest, I'm, you know, to be completely transparent with you, I at one point, I I was that person where I struggled to fully understand um, the transgender experience uh, until actually God blessed me uh, to discover that my biological brother um, is actually uh, transgender. And he gave me, he was born female uh, and, or uh, he, his cisgender is, is female um, but his, he has transitioned to be male. Um, God really helped me to understand uh, that experience to an extent, because I will never fully understand it, uh, through him. And I think uh, the key to uh, the, the prevalence of ignorance um, is 
we refuse to be the light. Instead, we scream at the darkness and we refuse to be the light. And um, I think that there, there has to be a change and it has to begin on an individual level. Wow. Michael, did you have a, Pastor uh, McQueen, this would be a really good time. One of the questions that I had that I really wanted to ask of you was of a quote that you had made back in April 2015. And it was a quote that I personally identified with a great deal. And you had made it with Nuvo back in April 2015. He said, if you don't deal with someone's spiritual mindset around their human sexuality or any aspect of themselves where there's self-hate, you can't help them. You know, and I can't say that, you know, I agree with you more than you could imagine. However, I guess the question I wanted to ask was, how have you applied this concept in your ministry when you reach out to people within the community or even the community at large saying the majority as opposed to a minority? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great question. Yes. Um, What we try to do and what we attempt to do at Powerhouse Church is we created cell groups. We created specific spaces uh, where people can have an opportunity uh, to come and have some of their questions answered, Uh, particularly, um, of course, as it relates to the Christian faith. uh, We have created a space uh, where people can have some of their uh, theological questions answered, because this, this is the truth. A lot of people who are struggling, and this may not be everyone, but for many people who are struggling to embrace who they are within the LGBTQI community, many of them, the root of that struggle is what they have been taught by people concerning how God feels about them. Absolutely. That is what plagues in their mind. That is what is in their soul. That is what rocks them of their peace. That is what limits uh, the vicissitudes of their joy. Deep down in their subconscious, um, the one thing we teach at Powerhouse Church is that you have a conscious mind and you have a subconscious mind. Your conscious mind, of course, would be your brain, and then your subconscious mind, we believe and we teach that it is your heart, and that if you hear something enough in your conscious mind, eventually it will take root into your heart, and you will accept certain things. It will almost be like an autocorrect. You know, you can have on your phone uh, an autocorrect where you can type in a word incorrectly long enough mm. to where correct. if you did yeah. type it incorrectly, it would autocorrect it to the incorrect word because you have, through repetition, trained your phone to believe that this is the truth. And many people, because of repetition, growing up in Sunday school, in the Methodist church, in the Baptist church, Episcopal church, Catholic church, grew up being taught uh, some of these things that taught them to hate themselves and believe that the God that they love desires for them to hate who they are. It takes time. To be very honest with you, it takes time. There may be someone who may listen to this recording tonight. Um but it takes time because I am sensitive enough to understand that I can't undo in one seminar what has been engrafted into 
someone's heart for 20, 30, and 40 years. It takes time to be free from self-hatred and to learn to genuinely love yourself. Many people matriculate through life, and they go through many changes trying to figure out how to love themselves. They shift cities. A lot of LGBT people will move from city to city to city to city to city <laughs> because they're trying to figure out how to love myself and accept myself. They're searching for themselves when everything that they need is already right there. They're trying to answer a question that has already been answered, spending their and, entire life. And Pastor McQueen, I agree with you entirely on that subject. And I can say that I can personally relate to a great deal of that and understand where you're coming from on the uh, perspective of people moving from city to city. Because do you think that that is a situation of the individual trying to find a sense of belonging to supplement that personal desire? Absolutely. I think it's it, it can be a, a case-by-case situation, but I think... Uh, specifically, it is often a struggle to to answer a the true essence of who we are, and this really ties into our original question. The true essence of who we who we are is spirit. We are spirit because we come from God, and and the mm-hmm. Christian faith teaches that God is a spirit. We come from spirit, uh, and and the true essence of who we are is not fulfilled until we connect to God. And when someone sows a seed in your heart at a young age, there is a part of you that is disconnected from God. It can send you on a lifelong frenzy trying to answer a question and figure something out that doesn't even need to be figured out. It Mm. will send you on a spiral. It will almost become idolatrous because you... You you say you love God, and you quote John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, but you will exclude yourself from being a whosoever, and it will mm. make you feel that God genuinely does not love you. He He will accept your singing. He will accept your, if you can preach a little bit, you can join the choir, you can direct the choir, and you can and and, and I'm gonna say this, and this is real. I understand. I'm I'm making emails about what I'm about to say, but um, you can keep it real on I, this show. You can, keep, yeah. <laughs> yeah just, a lot of LGBT people are some of the most devoted churchmen and parishioners and lay members that you will ever meet. But some of that devotion is not to God. Some of oh, that devotion. Wow is trying to prove that I am equally good enough to make it into the same heaven as you. It ain't even about God. It's trying to prove that I am good enough for God's love. And I can relate to that in my own personal life. I work in a uh, public safety law enforcement-oriented position. And in my position, to be a gay man is the equivalency of being a female. If you want to be recognized and you want to be honored for your ability and for what you do as a member of that 
quote-unquote subculture of society, public safety, law enforcement oriented position, if you want to be recognized by your peers as someone that is good at your profession and excelled, you have to be able to survive the boys' club and what is considered to be honorable within that boys' club. So I totally understand what you're exactly referring to there. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, I wanted to yes. take a quick break and tell everybody, um, just remind everybody, if you're listening to this um, phone call, we will be taking questions at um, a little after 11 o'clock. Um, if you would like to call in and just listen in general, you can call in at um, area code 646-915-8200. Once again, that's 646 um, one of the questions or one of the issues, another issue I want to address uh, while I had you on the phone is um, just this, about sexuality in the church and what that encompasses. Because I know, notice, especially in the black church, um, it's a taboo subject. And I think it's it's caused a lot, you know, with us not being open about it. Let's just let's keep it real. Uh, we have a lot of uh, young women that are becoming pregnant. They um, out of wedlock. They don't have the fathers around, and then we're experiencing this of uh, the download in the church. And we can we can just, I mean, I know a lot of people like to just skate past that issue and act like it doesn't exist in the church, but it does. We know good as well that the download is something that not only does it, you know, affect people outside the church, but it's definitely something that is happening in church. And, I mean, you have a lot of these preachers, and let's just keep it real on this show tonight. We have a lot of these um, preachers out here preaching against homosexuality, but in actuality, they are engaging in the same practice that they're preaching against. And and a lot of times it's, it's, I mean, it's just horrific, you know, how, you know, low that they'll go. Like, you know, and I'm not trying to throw names up, but, you know, like the whole Bishop Eddie Long situation. He was the main one preaching against homosexuality. You had people that was trying to go to that church and trying to pray the gay away, but you're sitting out here, only are you sleeping with young boys, but you're using the church's funds to, you know, support this lifestyle, trying to, you know, uh, come up with these young boys and, you know, take them out on these trips and this, that, and the other. So you think that that is something that we need to address, not even just, just in the black church, or just in the church in general, because I think a lot of people are uh, battling with this issue and living these suppressed lifestyles, and then all these scandals are coming to light. Um, do you think that that's something that we need to address, seriously look at and quit, like, you know, turning a blind eye to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let me say this. Oh, my goodness. The down-low lifestyle is deep-rooted in the church culture because people wear masks about a lot of stuff in 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 the church culture. And, and for many years, the ecclesia has... Uh, perpetuated an environment that encouraged people to be unauthentic and disingenuous. But uh, particularly as it relates to sexuality, um, 
I think, it, it, number one, it, it must be addressed, of course. Anything that violates truth must be addressed because uh, the Bible says in the same scriptures we talked about that God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Right. which means that our search must be truth and authenticity, not lying and being dishonest. Um, I think it has to be addressed, but it's going to take people becoming more comfortable with authenticity. Honestly, I, that's why I appreciate certain shows that have gained a lot of popularity. I know a lot of people felt, uh, shows like Preachers of L.A., Preachers of Atlanta, Preachers of Detroit, that these shows would damage the church or damage the church's image, um, uh, that this this is not a good idea. But to be very honest with you, I think that um, creating a culture, even through media, that forces people to be authentic, forces people to be real, and sincere uh, is very healthy. And I think that it is taking the church in a direction that is healthier uh, than it has ever been before. I'm not saying that I agree or disagree with, with what people are doing on some of these programs. I'm not saying any of that. Uh, what I am saying is that I think um, creating a culture that praises authenticity versus a culture that celebrates you for your lives um, is very important. Because I have, I have been a preacher both in inclusion and, uh, and the affirming church, as well as I have been a preacher um, in uh, environments that are exclusive and not affirming. Um, and uh, one thing I remember, not just as related to sexuality, but just a multiplicity of things. Um, you just had to pretend a lot. You had to, mm -hmm. you know, church folk have a phrase. They say you got to fake it till you make it. That's what they say. You know, you, you fake, <laughs> fake it till you make it. That's how you do. You know, mm -hmm. you look like everything's going good. You come to church and you know you you say praise the Lord and hallelujah. Mm -hmm. and you 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 put on the mask that everything is is great. And the truth is is that we would bleed all over each other and we were broken and hurting. And, and, you know, we talk about, you know, I think the, the phrase shade and pettiness has really hit mainstream, but I, that yeah. came from the church that, that it, it, we were some of the most shady, most petty because we were broken and we were hurting and we really did not create environments for people to be healed. That's why at mm -hmm. Powerhouse church, actually we have something we do with our leaders annually um, well, we it's called um, at the Healing Circle, and we do a healing circle. Um, this year we're taking a retreat, and I'm taking all of my clergy. Um, and during this retreat, you're not minister so-and-so, you're not elder so-and-so, you're not pastor, bishop, whatever you want to call yourself. You are a human being, and in this room, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be perfect. Preachers and, and, and lay members, we need a space where people can be authentic and be sincere and, and, and really deal with what's going on on the inside. Um, as far as down low preachers, let me say this. Anytime a preacher is, is getting up and they are preaching something and they are just hitting it hard, that particular subject repetitively, they are just hitting mm -hmm. it hard, 
usually there is something within them that is crying out. It is self-hatred being exercised from a platform. It is like a child with a loaded gun with personal low self-esteem issues. I mean, they are standing on that platform and they are literally preaching hatred they feel towards towards themselves. Um, and this is a, the, the key to that is truth and love. It's just an atmosphere of truth and an atmosphere where the focal point is self-love. The Bible says you must love your neighbor as yourself. You as a pastor, you can never love on your people if you do not love yourself. You cannot love on your people and you secretly hate yourself. You have all of these secrets that usually a scandal will follow to expose you instead of just learning to love yourself. I think um, Bishop Eddie Long, and we pray for him, I have no ill, ill, nothing negative to say about him. Right. I think that he honestly, I'm not going to say that Bishop Eddie Long is is a victim, uh, but I will say that Bishop Eddie Long is a product of the black church. Um, wow. and, and what he has done, um, he he must accept certain responsibility for it, but then we as a people must accept responsibility for permeating a culture where we exalt a person's title above their own healing and sanity. We need to be careful that we as a people are responsible for our own level of discernment and not sit and point our finger and say, oh, well, it's, it's, it's his fault and his fault. Well, you should have went to God for yourself and not this person who secretly hates themselves standing across the pulpit transferring that spirit of hatred into you. You know, mm. and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it is a responsibility from the clergy standpoint and the lay member. It is, it is equal. It is an equal standpoint. We must create an environment of healing that trickles to both sides. Yeah. And, Michael, did you have uh, – I know you had a couple more questions you wanted to ask. Yes. Um, one of the things, you know, and I have to say, you know, it's very – nice to listen to you, Pastor, that uh, your perspectives, because I also am a, and I use the term legally ordained minister. Uh, I've been ordained since 2006, but I was raised in the Baptist church and not exactly found it to be very uh, accepting or anything even close to that nature. So I can uh, completely identify with where you're coming from and what you're expressing here. And one of the questions that I had was more of a broader ministerial concept or question. And if we look at back at statistics since like the 1980s, the 19, especially the 1990s, churches have seen a steady decline in membership all across the United States, um, particularly the United States. And my question was, what do you feel are some of the reasons for this decline, and how do you think that your ministry is trying to not only combat the decline, but to address the situations that have led to the decline in membership? Absolutely. Um, well, there there has been um, statistically 
uh, it's been seen and said that there is a decline in, in attendance and membership. Um, honestly, I think that a lot of that parallels to, number one, um, when you forsake the focal point and the substratum of what uh, the ministry is really about, uh, which, of course, is answering certain life questions as it relates to love, self-love, uh, building healthy relationships, etc. Uh, I think that the focal point of the Christian experience, uh, particularly, uh, as you said, over the last uh, 18, 20 years, it has really shifted to a place of, and let me say this, I don't have a problem with with teaching and preaching prosperity because I believe prosperity is being successful and uh, prosperity is not limited to money. Uh, prosperity is wholeness. Uh, but mm. I think that uh, when there is a preponderance uh, of the focal point of ministry becoming about personalities and stars versus Jesus Christ, I think that you you just begin to lose people. You just really begin to lose people, and people begin to search for answers through other forms, through other uh, self-help guides and, and gurus, etc. Um, I think what would really cause um, an increase in attendance um, will really be returning back to that that focal point. Um, which is Jesus Christ. But in order to really return back to that, people must, once again, humble themselves and come to a place of truth and sincerity uh, as it relates to uh, the gospel, pre gospel preaching and the evolution of, uh, of the church. Um, you know, I like the issues of self-hatred and being able to uh, eradicate those types of issues in correspondence with Christ-centered guidance. Right. Are, are you saying addressing the issues as far as self-hatred? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, many of those issues, the, the, the key to the, to, to the life survival of the, of the church is the church must stay relevant. Um, mm. We you know, when you get to the point where you're so focused on ideals and trying to figure out who's going to hell that you are not focused on the fact that these people, after they get done running up and down the aisles and rolling underneath these pews, have to deal with life Monday through Saturday. And they need a practical message concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ that will actually help them to live. I think when you kind of forsake that, and we become very idealistic, um, you lose people because your ideals and opinions are not going to help me when I'm dealing with this whirlwind that I'm calling a home um, mm -hmm. Monday through Saturday. And eventually I think you, we just lose. We've lost people. We've lost people. Yeah. I agree. So uh, uh, go ahead, Michael. I was just saying, I agree entirely, and it's very refreshing to see a pastor share that type of perspective today. Absolutely. Wow. Um, I had a, uh, another good question. So can you tell us about your personal um, coming out story? And 
And how how did you uh, get to the point to to where you are today? Um, especially like you know, with you being uh, happily married and um, having a ministry, how did how did you get to get to that point of being secure in who you are through Christ? Like, what was your personal story? And also, um, I also want to go back to an, the incident that happened, and we've seen it in the news. Um, uh, I think it was about a year ago. If you can correct me, if it's wrong, about that the incident when you guys were denied. Um, access to worship and the sanctuary that you uh, guys were supposed to, I guess, rent out from another um, church. Like, can you just yeah. take us back to that to that day? Just, just you know, and where God has taken you guys since then? Because I just think this just wonderful to see uh, how far God has brought your ministry. Um, Absolutely, from that dreadful moment. So, can you um, address those uh, things for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I'll address the first thing. Um, coming out, the first thing, and I say this to people all the time when they come to me for counseling, um, be it my lay members or sometimes I counsel people who are not even um, members of Powerhouse Church. Um, the first person that you have to come out to is yourself. The first person you have to come out to is yourself. We put the responsibility of accepting us on other people. The truth is, is we make that experience about a whole lot of stuff that it really has nothing to do with. It has nothing to do with our family. It has nothing to do with our friends. It has nothing to do with our places of worship. It has to do with us. And we have to accept certain truths about ourselves. A lot of people will gauge their coming out on, you know, well, well, what is my mother going to say? Well, what is my father going to say? Oh, well, well, what about my friends or my associations or whatever? Instead of realizing that whatever truth about you stands to be true at the end of the day, whatever reality about you that is a part of your truth, there is nothing that makes up the dynamics and the molecular structure of who you are that could possibly disengage you from your destiny. Mm. And if I'm walking in my truth, and the more I walk in that truth, if people and associations begin to fall off, they were never supposed to be there in the first place. And we must accept that at first, we must accept that it's about walking in truth. When I came out, um, I come from a, um, as I, I said in Nuva, I said, you know, I, I come from a southern Pentecostal family. I was born in Columbia, South Carolina. I come from a southern Pentecostal apostolic family. I mean, oh my. saved, saved. I mean, you know, I, I'm talking about, I got relatives that believed, I don't know if they all still believe that, but, I mean, just believed that, you know, wearing, uh, a woman wearing pants is a sin, you know. So um, all of these sociological dynamics when you grow up in the South, and then when you grow up African-American in the South, mm. and then when you grow up African-American in the South and you're Pentecostal, there are all kinds of sociological uh, Ian Levanzant 
touched on it during one of her episodes interviewing the Pace sisters. Um, you know, it, it's something. Yes, yes. It, it's something that is really difficult to understand with, without experiencing it. But um, when you grow up in those environments, there are a lot of sociological implications of gender roles and ideas of masculinity and femininity and, oh, and sexuality, all of these ideas that are uh, either intentionally placed into you or environmentally you know, that conversation of nature versus nurture that you just kind of develop and deal with. Um, I grew up in that environment. I, I just did. I was uh, raised by my grandparents, and I just grew up in that kind of environment. Um, so it wasn't really until I went off to college that I was able to really – my eyes, first of all, were open – to all kinds of people who worship God like I do, but have embraced a level of acceptance of self. And through the vehicle of Jesus Christ, they have embraced the level of acceptance of self. And uh, that was just very challenging for me at first to embrace. And when I finally uh, did begin to accept myself um, after going through some extensive counseling and other dynamics, it finally came to a place uh, for me uh, where um, I accepted that God loved me, and I accepted that it was okay to love myself. If you do that first, then any other conversation after that will be a breeze. You cannot gauge your self-love on whether people are going to accept this truth because that's really not their responsibility in the first place. Mm. And and we're asking human be- human beings formed from the dust of the earth, human beings to be God and to help us gauge our level of self Love, And that is not what the old hymn says. It says we love him because he first loved us. And, wow. and we're putting this responsibility on people, on humans. The truth be told that they may not be wrestle, wrestling with LGBT dynamics, but they're wrestling with everybody is in some kind of closet that they got to come out of. It, yours mm-hmm. may not be sexuality, but you got something you are wrestling with that you've got to come out and embrace and accept. Whatever that truth is, whatever that reality is, you have to embrace that. We're asking people to affirm us who secretly are still waiting to be affirmed. That's why the communities mm. that have been most denigrated are the ones that practice the most denigration, the black, the black community, which has been greatly denigrated and has been greatly persecuted, practices some of the most persecution as it relates to gays and lesbians. And the gays and lesbians do that to transgender people. Hurt people hurt people because everybody is searching for affirmation, and we're all doing it the wrong way, trying to figure out who can we condemn and demonize, searching for affirmation. And that is not, that's not the answer. That's a childish spirit. That's an immature spirit. Children do that. Children pick on each other in order to exercise their own hurts and insecurities, bullies the psychology of a bully, 
they're, they're wrestling with stuff at home and all kinds of stuff they're going through. And so they're pinning their frustration on you. And, and we sit there and we're waiting for someone else to affirm us, and they don't even have the capacity to do that yet. That's just not – It's you tell people the truth about who you are because you're a Christian, and, and, and that's because that's just a good thing to do, just be a good human being and tell the truth. But at the same token, it is not your responsibility to manage how people feel about mm. your truth. To manage, mm-hmm. we want to manage people. You're gonna, you're gonna agree with me, and you're gonna accept me, and this is what you. No, it it took you 20 years to accept yourself, and you expect them to do that in 20 seconds because you had an opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's not the way. That is not the way. No, works. you know it. It takes time. It takes time. And you know what? And I and I will definitely say that you know um, just in general. And I, I say some progress is better because, like you said, it's it's it's, it's a process. It's nothing. It's like you said, it's nothing that's going to take place overnight. So I just I really feel that um, we have to uh, be honest and truthful with one another about um, who we are. And um, and like you said, you have to learn how to accept and not only get accept, but learn how to forgive yourself for not accepting yourself. You know, and, and before you you can ex- expect other people to accept, you have to you have to work on your own healing. So that's that's definitely something that um, I agree with. Um, I don't know if you had anything else, Michael, because I know you had another question you wanted to ask that we discussed about uh, about the ministry earlier. But uh, I don't know if you still had a couple more questions. But um, um yeah, yeah, um. Pastor McQueen, and this is a a rather difficult question that I will say that I've wrestled with personally on how to uh, professionally ask. Um, I have noticed, I I previously had known another uh, minister from a gay affirming church, and his church, I can say that I did personally I personally did not agree with, and that was because his services were more like the Sunday morning hookup for his gay fellow gay parishioners. You know, they seemed to be there to sit in their foremost front rows and say hallelujahs and amens and exchange their phone numbers and hook up after church. Um, while I realized that as a minister, you can't control anything that your people do. You know, your people are there to try and find guidance to guide their own lives and better themselves, and that's not something that you have any control over. But right. have you noticed anything like this within uh, a, any type of gay-affirming ministry? And if you have noticed that, how would you deal with that? Well, I will say that I've noticed that in... Affirming churches, I've noticed that in non-affirming churches. I really don't think that it is indicative to what the sexuality of the pastor is or the predominant sexuality or demographic of the people is. I think that that is just a matter of behavior. There's a difference between sexuality and behavior. And Mm, behavior can be exemplified in any facet of of you know, I've been to churches that 
I mean, they preach heavily against um, against homosexuality, and they preach against all kinds of things. And after the service is over, it's it's a hookup. I think that it is a matter of first of all, you we would have to get to the root of what the problem is, and if the problem is promiscuity, then usually it's not promiscuity. There are issues of rejection, abandonment, all kinds of things that people are searching for uh, that they have tied this worship experience um, into that. It, 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 is about, you, it is the job of the pastor to make it very clear what the purpose of that church is, what the focal point of that ministry is. Now, how people take that is up to them, but it is it is the job of of the pastor to make it very clear the purpose of this the purpose of powerhouse church or the purpose of of this ministry is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to see people turn their potential into power um that is the focal point of this ministry, but people will come to church for uh whatever reasons that they come if there is a preponderance of something happening then chances are there needs to be healing in that environment and a return to what that focal point is. There's brokenness. There's bro- if, if people have gotten so obsessed with uh, tying another experience or exalting an experience outside of Jesus in his house, if they have gotten so 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 obsessed with that, then there's something deeper that's happening that needs to be mm. addressed, but it, but it's it's a matter of behavior, not necessarily uh, sexuality. And, you know, I I can say I I can agree with I can see the point of what you're saying there, in the experience that I can personally say that I'm familiar with. That was, if we uh, go by the cliche that like attracts like, and I'm sure that uh, Seneca would agree with me on this is. That would probably be a very good uh, conjecture there as to what's going on. Because knowing that previous ministry as I did, I can see where that was definitely an issue there of that type of situation, a failure of uh, proper leadership. Right, right, right. And, you know, and I think sometimes, too, um, like you said, when we're dealing with, uh, members of the LGBT community, we were dealing with, like I said earlier, dis- disenfranchised people, a lot of broken people, uh, people that have been uh, tossed aside. You're dealing with a lot of hurt people, and you have right. people that prey on those individuals. And I just think right. that's just very, I think that's just very, just low level and low life. You know, um, you know, and, and and I noticed that a lot of people take advantage of that. Those situations, and, and it just yeah. doesn't have to oh, be just that, that that community in general. But it, I just think it's just a sad thing because when people, when it comes to spirituality and religion, people become vulnerable. I mean, that's that you know that right. uh, they feel that they can be vulnerable, they can be open, they they become trusting, and then not not everybody out there that is calling themselves the ministers of Christ right. are true ministers of Christ. They're wolves in sheep's clothing, and I just think it's very sad, Absolutely. you know, when uh, people are being uh, 
led astray and being taken advantage of. And and I just really um, that's just something that I've noticed. And, and it's just not with just gay affirming ministries. But I just noticed that with a lot of ministries, um, you you sometimes um, have leaders that take advantage of people um, economically. Uh, right. 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 And it's just and it's just one of those things, you know, I just pray that and I'm I'm thankful that you have the ministry that you you have that right. really encompasses and, and takes in a lot of people that have been uh wounded and people that have been uh tossed aside. And it offers us offers a place for people to go. And I think right. we, I think we really should, and for you to just take a bold stand and not really care what people have to think and, and look at the greater good of what you're trying to do. I think that's very um, admirable. Um, and, and, I know we got a couple of questions, and I know we're going to open the lines up because I know I have about four people that are online waiting. Um, who, I was just wondering, what um, organizations have you partnered, partnered up with in the city to help make a um, change in it and to uh, um, address some of the issues that plague our community? Um and if people want to get involved with your community, with your uh, with your ministry, how can they do so? And um, where are you guys located in the Annapolis? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we have partnered with uh, a host of organizations. Um, if I forget any of them, uh, please charge it in my head, but not my heart. But we partner with uh, Freedom Indiana, a great organization that. Uh, definitely arises to the occasion um, to help to fight for LGBT equality. We've partnered with uh, Brothers United, um, an HIV and AIDS prevention organization. Uh, We've partnered with uh, the Damien Center on many occasions, Mm -hmm. uh, bringing them out um, on a monthly basis to provide um, HIV testing um, we have partnered with, um, I sit on the board of ICON, uh, the Interfaith Coalition on Non-Discrimination, um, uh, just a host of organizations uh, that are really, 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 really great uh, to connect with um, uh, as as we fight for equality. They definitely arise to the occasion, um, and um, I would encourage all those uh, who would like to get involved with some of the things going on in the community. If you just want to find out um, how can you um, uh, get involved to help push for equality, to look up some of those organizations and partner with them. Of course, our church, uh, Powerhouse Church, uh, right here in Indianapolis, um, our church um, is uh, located at uh, 4110 East New York Street, uh, that's uh, 4110 East New York Street, downtown Indianapolis, Indiana, 46201. Uh, they can partner with us. Uh, you can look us up online at powerhousechurchindy.org. That's powerhousechurchindy.org. Or you can call us at 317-344-9724 um, and, um, and connect with us. Look us up on Facebook. Uh, uh, look me up on Periscope. Look us up. Uh, we're just a ministry that is about uh, healing. You being the best you uh, that you can be. Uh, one thing I will say: when people join our church, there's something we always tell them. Uh, every person who's ever joined has always been told the same thing. When they join, we say no 
more excuses. No more excuses. <laughs> All of your excuses for not living your best life and fulfilling your potential and your assignment that you were given before God formed you in your mother's womb, you are free from your excuses, and you are now being pushed into your purpose. Uh, and that's what our ministry is all about. Wow. And one more thing before we open up the line. So if there's someone that's out here, and I just wanted to really close this interview up before we um, open up the line. If there's someone that, that's out there battling um, issues of um, self-acceptance or uh, just need somebody to or just need a that just desire to belong, and because um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are hurt that, that that desire to have that relationship with God, but for one reason or another, they have uh, been ostracized, they've been shut out, they've been um, I don't know, just just pushed aside. What would you tell them? Like, what message of hope would you would you tell them? You know, just something that would kind of just tie everything up that, that we have discussed tonight. What would you tell them? I would, I would tell that person rejection equals direction. Any environment that rejected you, any place that rejected you, you were not supposed to be there. Um, they did you a favor. Anytime you felt ostracized or pushed aside, no one, no one can ever push you off course. Uh, the Apostle Paul picked up that train of thought in in his letter to the Roman Church uh, in the eighth chapter, where he said, "What can separate me from the love of God? No one can separate you from God's love." Um, if you feel pushed aside and you feel ostracized, you can only be pushed closer to your purpose. I would encourage mm. that person to accept that that environment, that relationship, that friendship, that church, that ministry was not for them. Um, it was not where they were supposed to be um, because God uh, would not put together such an awesome person, such an awesome, intricate individual, just to put them in an environment that they would have to leave a portion of who they are in the parking lot in order to just be accepted. Uh, we serve a God of of peace, and that word peace comes from the uh, the Hebrew word shalom, which means wholeness, and it is it's God's will for us to be whole, for us to be honest, for us to be healed. And so I would encourage that individual to realize nobody pushed you away from God. If anything, in their effort to push you away from God, they pushed you closer to God. Hold on to him, and uh, he will lead you to where you need to be. All right. Thank you. We just want to thank you for that word. Um I want to go to our um, callers online. I just want to uh, several callers. I just want people to just kind of limit their um, questions to just one one question per caller, and then we'll come back around if um, if we have time. I just want everybody to have a chance to speak. 
um, with the pastor. Um, we're going to go to our first caller, uh, area code 513-310. Um, do you have a question or comment? Or are you just listening? 513? Okay, they're probably just listening. Um, well, Tonica, you... I do have one last question I'd like to ask. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Pastor. Mm-hmm. So, Pastor, I couldn't live with myself if I didn't ask this one final question, and that is, mm-hmm. if you had to pick a ultimate favorite scripture from the Bible that you could apply to people, what would it be? My favorite scripture would actually be found in that same chapter uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 8 and verse 1, actually. There's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Um, I want to tell anyone that may be listening, the reason why that is my favorite scripture is because God has the power to liberate you Mm. from self-destruction if you stop following flesh and start following spirits. God will deliver you from destroying yourself, from destroying your purpose and your assignment if you stop following flesh and trust in the name of the Lord. Um, I, I want to encourage anybody to understand that uh, if you follow people um, that are not following the love of Christ, it's going to lead you wrong every time, and it's mm. going to create a culture of self-condemnation. Many people live in a culture of condemnation, but there is therefore now no condemnation. You can be free. Um, and it's, I love that scripture because in, in the seventh chapter, the Apostle Paul is is wrestling between a duality of nature, a dichotomous nature. He's wrestling between what he wants to do and what he knows he should do versus uh, what he knows he should not do. And sometimes you can almost go through a bipolar experience seeking to find oneness within yourself. And he gets his deliverance in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 where he says there's no more condemnation if I stop following flesh, I stop following people's opinions, if I stop following ideas uh, and ideals and follow after the Spirit, I can be set free. For the law of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Wow, that's powerful. That's very powerful. Um, We're going to go to another caller, um, area code 317-413. Are you listening or do you have a question or a comment for Pastor um, Keith McQueen? Four one three, are you online? Just unmuted the mic. Or are you just listening? Okay, we'll move on to. Uh, but, let's and see. Pastor, while he's going through, that, I'll say that you know, thank you for that uh, reference. And personally, my uh, one of my favorites is John three seventeen. Mm-hmm. If you're oh, familiar. Yeah. Oh yeah, 
Absolutely. For God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but right. to free. Right. Right. I love that scripture, absolutely. Come on. Um, okay, caller three one seven two zero zero, are you listening or do you have a um comment or a question? You there, caller? All right. Uh, feel free to uh, chime in. I know we have a, uh, a lot of the callers that have been waiting, so uh, we have all the lines open. So feel free to jump in if you guys have um, any questions or comments. But we definitely just want to uh, thank you for coming on today. Um uh, so what are some of the personal stories and testimonies that you've um that you've um uh, received from members that have joined your church? Like have you have you witnessed people's lives change like before your eyes like people that may have been at the point of giving up? Like have you personally seen um lives being changed once they joined your marriage ministry and saw that there were people that were willing to love and accept them uh, simply for who they are and uh, who they are in Christ and how God had made them. Absolutely, absolutely. And if I can ask a, a question, Seneca, I don't know if we have an email. Is there an email address that you have? Because there may be some people who may have questions, but they don't want to speak up because they're shy or uh, okay, or where they can um, email we, their questions. Yes. Um, um one one place where they can go is um, you can join or well, you can um, get on our Facebook page, and uh, it's under the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, and you can um, send a question that way. Um, also, you can email us at ucofw.ucof. Wait a minute, ucofw.indy at gmail.com. Once again, that's U-C-O-F-W dot I-N-D-Y, that's Indy, at gmail.com. Feel free to um, send in your questions um, if if you know, because um, I know some people are kind of shy on the air. I know we, we have several callers on right now, but I think they're probably shy and, and uh, probably don't want to ask their uh, questions on air. But I do want to thank them nevertheless for listening in. I know uh, we've got a lot of support um, on social media. I know a lot of people shared this post and uh, people are listening tonight. Um, But definitely uh, feel free to send a message. And I guess they they would be more than welcome to message you personally on uh, Facebook if they have a question as well. Sure. If they have um, Right. Uh, Michael, did you have anything else or... No, not that I can think of at this time. Okay. I don't know what I was going to ask you. So, uh, yes. as far as social media is concerned, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are against uh, just the whole entire social media thing, but what is the importance and the role, and how can we positively take advantage of, of social media in reaching people today? Like, I think that that's something that we should. Uh, definitely look into uh, any way that we can reach people. I mean, do you think that uh, 
social media is a positive tool because we we hear so many things about how it's negative. You know, it's a negative, re, you know, how it affects right. us negatively. Do you think that it can be used um, as a positive mean, means to reach people? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, social media, um, it is impossible in this day and age to do ministry and not utilize the tools of social media because truth is the people that we want to reach they're on social media they're on facebook they're on twitter they're on instagram they're on periscope and if you're going to do ministry in 2016 and not embrace the platform of social media that you are doing ministry in vain um we utilize social media in a multiplicity of ways as i said anyone listening they can go on and like our page uh, Powerhouse Church of Deliverance. They can like our page uh, on Facebook, um, or they can follow us on. Um, uh, they can follow me on Instagram. They can follow us on YouTube. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity. Honestly, if it is used correctly, it is a great opportunity to help people to bring the message home. As I said earlier in the call. Um, the only way to get something from your conscious to your subconscious is through repetition. When you hear something repetitively, it takes root in your heart. That's why uh, we do um, offer the sermons. Uh, people can get our sermons or they can listen to them online or they can pull them up um, so that they can take it home and that they can play it on their way to work so that they can play it in their house. Mm-hmm. These, these, these are the places where they need this message. They need it at home. They need it in their car. They need right. it uh, at work on their lunch break. Um, I think it 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 would be incredulous to try to do uh, ministry without taking advantage of the platform of social media that God has given mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And um, I, I definitely agree with that. And also um, another Topic that I, I I think that is very important. I would like to hear your uh, thoughts on is what do you think about the so-called family unit today? Do you think that there is a deterioration deterioration of um, the family unit today, and uh, what do you attribute that to? Um, because I know now, I mean, we 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 are seeing that, and I was just wondering uh, what are your thoughts on that particular topic. Absolutely. That is a very uh, complex dynamic. Um, I'm going to say it's complex because um, that, and that's, a, it's, that's very loaded. Uh, it's yeah. loaded because when you really talk about family, there are a diversity of examples of what family is. I know lots of times when we think about that, particularly in a fundamentalist Christian context, we think of, uh, you know, a a mother, a father, two kids, a white picket fence, and a little dog, Mm -hmm. you know, and we say, okay, that is the structure of um, a family, but there are a multiplicity of dynamics of a family. If you think historically, beyond westernized culture, if you think historically, even looking biblically, um, you know, I, I, sometimes I struggle to understand 
and I may get in a little trouble saying this. I struggle to understand when people say, well, um, you know, we need to get back to the tradition of what family is about. And I say, okay, well, what is what? what whose tradition are you talking about? Are you talking about American tradition? Because that's right. evolved. Are you talking about Eastern culture tradition of what a family is? Are you talking about polygamy? Are you talking about mm-hmm. family is very diverse. If you some of our biblical heroes, um, according to what our idea of what a, what makes a family today through fundamentalist Western Christianity, they would not fit into that. You think about Abraham and 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 Sarah and 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 Solomon and, and some of these others who had concubines and multiple wives and and all uh-huh. kinds of dynamics that were in place. Um, that's why I never understand when people try to use the story of Adam and Eve or Genesis to explain um, a westernized culture of God's intention for family because there's a lot happening in the book of Genesis that um, the truth is if someone did it today would put them in prison, okay? So (laughs) I think as it relates to a family, a family is any unit and group of people that are unified by unconditional love, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. People who are unified by unconditional love, and that mm-hmm. can be with uh, a, a male and his, and his partner or, or spouse or his wife or uh, um a woman and her wife or her husband um, and their children, whether they uh, gave birth to those kids biologically or they adopted them or through surrogacy. Mm -hmm. The preservation of life and loving people unconditionally is the idea of a family. Now, with that in mind, do I think that the family unit is somewhat deteriorating? Yes, I do. I think that we have created a culture of selfishness mm. and selfishness is the root of a deteriorating family. Uh, when we lose the essence of the power of exercising and reflecting the love of God one to another, then our families begin to deteriorate. And I, I think that's very, that's a very uh, viable point because uh, like you mentioned, like, you know, today families come and all just it's several dynamics to it. But like you said, that, that main factor you have to take into consideration is the unity and, and as far as uh, just that love and that and that, that core, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I really I, I really agree with that. And you look look at now, it's just like it's so much disarray and the family unit and just these families in, in general, like, you know, uh, I do think we're living in the last days. You know, you look at a lot of stuff that uh, the Bible says, it's like, you know, the mothers against daughters, the daughters against mothers, you know, you have the sons trying to out, trying to, you know, take out the father. It's just, it's just, it's no, I mean, you look, even look in the, in the news, like you see, these mothers out here, like, you know, that will kill their own kids and put them in freezers. Yeah. You know, we yeah. are living in perilous times. And, you know, uh, 
It's just a huge deterioration of just morals and values and just love in general. Like, you know, we we, we became so desensitized as a society, you know. And it's just, it's very, very, very uh scary on, you know, just when we think about just the way that we go. I mean, we're 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 not we're desensitized to violence on T V, you know. I mean, it's just nothing for us to watch. I mean, it's just stuff that that doesn't bother us. Like, we're not bothered by a lot of things out here. And it's just very uh, troublesome, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. um, I don't know. Um, Michael, did you have anything else? I don't want to keep the past around any longer than uh, if you you have any things. I don't think we – I think we have some callers, but I think they're just kind of shy tonight. I didn't know. I'm going to give them one more opportunity before we get off here. Right. Uh, um, and, and the only thing I could think of is really I I could personally identify with a great deal of the things that he spoke about, You know, one of which being you know, I was raised by grandparents in a Baptist environment that was not accepting of me personally. So a great deal of the uh, points that he has discussed, I can definitely say that, you know, Pastor McQueen, I can personally identify with you, which is part of which is what drove me to become ordained myself back in 2006. So I think what you're doing is a very good thing out there, and I really hope, wish you the best success in it and keeping up with that in the future. Thank you, and to God be the glory for the things that he is doing. We we cannot take any glory uh, on our own, but I will say it's through the power of Christ's love and him shining his love down upon us, upon Powerhouse Church, that we've been able to do uh, great things. It's all about knowing God. Word says, they that know their God shall do exploits. And uh, we say to God be the glory for the things that he has done. All right. Once again, you are listening to Pastor Keith. McQueen, um, his church is Powerhouse Ministries, and they are located here in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, I believe at 4110 East New York Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. If you are looking for a place where you can get involved, if you're looking for a place where you feel that you can belong and uh, and be who God has ordained you to be and um, live out your purpose, I I definitely would... um, recommend this church um like you said um definitely on social media you can catch a lot of his messages online um i've definitely i have personally been blessed by uh, his his uh his ministry you know so uh like i said feel free to just jump in and then you know um just get involved like we we can't sit here and like i say all the time on this on this show we can't complain if we're not getting out there making a difference. We have to get involved. We have to be active, you know, and I feel that uh, we have to, when there's someone out here that is doing the work of Christ or that is making people's lives better, I think we need to get behind them. Um, Not tear them down, but get behind them. Build them up, you know. See what we can do to kind of help them out because, you know, uh, we can't wait on anybody else to do anything for us. And I preach that all the time. We can't wait on anybody to do something for us. We have to get out there and do it ourselves. And I think that um, I think it's time for us as 
a community, not just the LGBT community, but I just think it's time for us to come together because we can do more together than we can apart. So once again, I just want to thank you for coming on tonight. Um, I just want to let everybody know that this interview will be available um, on demand. All you have to do is go to um, www.blogtalkradio.com slash UCOFW, um, and you can listen and download this interview for free. Um, it's also on iTunes for free. Um, just look up UCOFW. And also it will be available on Facebook and will be available on YouTube as well. So I, I really want to just thank you for coming on tonight. I just want to appreciate you. I know you got a lot going on, and, you know, and I just want to thank you for being humble enough to just for sitting down with us and talking with us tonight and just ministering to us. I, I really felt that uh, we were ministered to, to tonight, and I and I really hope that someone listens to this interview and they – they're empowered to go out and make a positive change. I mean, we definitely need that in the city of Indianapolis and abroad. So once again, I just want to thank you for coming on tonight. Absolutely. And um, I think that's about it. Uh, This is the Urban Wire brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, where we shine the light on issues impacting the urban community. And um, until next time, may God bless, and I hope everyone has a good night.